This is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. We are a group of men who gather together to encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to support each other to be better husbands, fathers, and better men in the marketplace and in our communities. Friendship at NCS happens through our regular meetings in local chapters all across the country. The Franklin, Tennessee chapter meets the first and third Thursday each month at Puckett's Grocery and Restaurant in downtown Franklin from 7 to 8 a.m. This podcast is sponsored by Harrington Interactive Media. Working on a book? Let us help you get it to print. We can edit your book, design the cover, and help you list it on Amazon's print-on-demand services. See examples of our work and connect with us at harringtoninteractive.com. In this episode, Rudy Callis shares a talk called I Am Second. It was recorded on February 21st, 2013. We've got Rudy Callis here this morning who was with us early uh, on, uh, probably October or November of 2011 when we started this thing. How many of you guys were here when Rudy spoke the first time? About a, about a dozen guys. So you, the rest of you guys have been for a treat. And then uh, Mark McFerrin, both of these guys are working together on the I Am Second um, uh, campaign that, we, that has just started around Nashville. Rudy's going to come tell us about that, about his story. Mark's going to finish and close in prayer, and we're out of here at 8 o'clock. <clears throat> so good. Um, I don't know about y'all. I mean, I mean, I'm glad I'm awake at this point to get home a little later. So I will get it working in a little bit. I, you're talking about the, not having a relationship. Man, I'll tell you what keeps uh, going around in my mind here the last couple of days. Um, and, and you know the line. You've heard the line. You've got to see a man to be a man about having a male influence in your life. Let me tell you, the, the, the other night at the Predators game, uh, Shea Weber scored the game-winning goal. Uh, Shea Weber has moved up to a level in my, in my appreciation that, that, that I, I didn't understand at first, and I've just gotten to really love the guy. And the reason being, in a lot of ways, a year ago last Thanksgiving, I've got two daughters. The older one lives in California and has our two grandsons. Kate is eight or nine, or eight now, and his brother is five. A year ago uh, last Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, they came to Nashville, and I took them to a Predators practice, and they're out there watching. They'd never seen it. I mean, you know, watch hockey on TV is okay, but in person, the power and the speed, and these guys are flying by, and they're firing pucks, bam, right at the plexiglass where these little guys are staring at them, and they're just blown away. They love it. We went down to the locker room afterwards, and I'm talking to somebody, and the little guys wander over, and they're standing there just watching guys come off the ice, and Shea Weber comes off the ice, doesn't know they're related to me, and says, hey, guys, how you doing? And gave him his $1,000 hockey stick. And these little guys go, wow! And it just, and from that moment on, my oldest one, especially Cade, they went back to California and they had to subscribe to the hockey channel. <laughs> Shea, well, he knows every statistic of the Predators from everything that they do. Predators went out there and played last March in a game at San Jose. They're in Danville by, uh, by the Bay Area. And I had to get them tickets to the, I got them tickets to the game. I also got them a pass so they could go to the skate around. Shea Weber came over, had his, the little guy in California goes 
to school with a Shea Weber jersey on, and and Shea comes over there and he puts his arms and got his picture taken with the guys, and then they came back again here at the beginning of this year. They went back to San Jose, played again. The little guys went. I got them to the skate around again. Shea Weber at the before the game when they go out to warm up, the little guys, you know, they go right down by the glass where they come out and they're standing for it, and he knows them already by name. He signed a poster to them at Christmas time. I said, would you sign this for the little? He said, you mean to Cade and to Dane? He remembered their names, writes it on them. We, they opened it up on Skype in front of us and just exploded with it. So he comes out on the ice, sees a little guy, skates over to him, gives him high five knuckles, flips a puck to him, and goes out and plays the game. The influence of that one moment that he cared enough, this guy signed that 100 and what, 14, $110 million contract, and yet he's got this heart that my little kid, you got to see a man to be a man just by the impression of what he has done. Um, I don't know where to ramble because a little bit Wes said, uh, you know, my story, we all have our own stories and our own situation. I'm associated with I Am Second because two years ago when David Thornton, the linebacker for the Tennessee Titans, who I loved, I go in that locker room a lot. You know that 70, at least 75% of the Tennessee Titans players, at least 75% have never had a male role model figure in their lives. And yet their whole lives, and I've talked about this before, and it's become more and more aware to me as I get older, and I had to turn over 60 to think about it. A lot of us in this room have grown up in our lives either trying to prove somebody right or prove somebody wrong. Somebody either told you when you were very young, you never amount, I see coaches do it all the time, and it blows my mind. Coaches would get into some guy's face and grab him. Sit on, you son. You, can't, you got no guts. I need somebody who can play this game. Boom, the kid sits down and it's inside of him. And it never leaves. I've had 80-year-old men tell me the exact words a coach said to them when they were about 15 or 16. He said, he broke my spirit. Maybe even it's a parent or something. I, I, I had a little bit of that. Or else maybe somebody said to you, you're magnificent. You know, music just comes from you. You have an ability with mathematics that I've never seen before. Someday you will be great. And there are some of us in this room who wish you could stand in front of our father's grave and say, Dad, I told you I could be a man. You didn't believe in me. And so we think about our lives. So if I ramble, so I, all, my whole thing is I want, us to, I want you to think about your life. And it's not my life. My life has its own story, and it leads to coming to I Am Second. And I won't go into it long, but we're all a product of how we grew up, that Amish background, that uh, Mennonite background that Wes talked about. Some, you know, some of you know because I've spoken before. I mean, I wasn't born in this country. came as immigrants with my parents when I was five years old from Germany. We came to the United States with $14 and a wooden suitcase and a train ticket that got us to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I remember going to school to kindergarten a few, few weeks and crying every day because I thought the kids at school are laughing at this dumb little foreign kid. One of my favorite Proverbs in the Bible is Proverbs 16:9. In his life, a man plans his way, but it's the Lord who directs his steps. So if you look at your life and all the things, some of it you thought was terrible, some of it you thought was miserable, some of it was wonderful, all of it is meant by God to get you to a point that you can be an important witness for him to other people. There's a difference between our job and our purpose in life. And some of us are 60 years old. Do you know what your purpose is? Your job is what you're trying to make a buck at. But what's your purpose in life? And I've come to the realization that our purpose has nothing to do with me. He says, get it right between you and me, and then get out to there to the business of impacting other people's lives. 
and giving them hope and encouragement. This world is full of it. We talked about the people dying and shooting each other. All of that is out there, and we've got an opportunity to be a part of it. I am second when David Thornton approached me with it. I said, what's the wristband? I am second. And he told me, all, he told me about it. Well, it's an interesting concept because they associated with them, and we did a video. I don't know that I've got any kind of a story, but they wanted to come to Nashville, and so I did a video. It's about six minutes long. I talked a little bit about the things in my life, and I'm not one of these with the great drug habit or any of that sort of stuff that I've overcome. Some people bless their hearts. For me, it's more an absolute element of pride. I'm just eaten up by the fact that pride bothers me so, so much, and it just it, my ego has become such a, an important part of my life. Well, and, and that led me to that. It, it, uh, and so I am second for me as an opportunity to put this out there. And I put the video out, and now all of a sudden, they put the billboards up. Whoa. That changes things. Here's what I'm, I've come to the realization that, uh, and Mark laughs at me because I say it a lot of times, we have to put our business in the street. Here's what's happened to me since I've put that out there. I came to Christ on October 10th, 1978. I'd been in Nashville, you know, coming to the United States as a kid, and I had one of these situations carrying my life a little bit where my parents, without even knowing it, would say to me, why, why, why can't you study? Why can't you get grades? My sister got straight A's. So they put inside of me the idea, and I never thought I was very smart. So I flunked out of college and made all of these mistakes and such. All of that became a part of what I am. And I carried that with me. And so I, 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 get out, I spent four years in the military, came out and, and went back to college and got involved in journalism, I think to prove somebody wrong, because I never really thought that, that there was much. I was this wimpy kid. I, I've told people I would stand in, in high school and I couldn't even speak to a group. I, 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 I st st stuttered until I was about 15 years old because I couldn't stand sitting in front of a group or standing in front of you people and talking to you because you were looking at me. Because I always had this immigrant's mentality inside of me that my dad, my dad till the day he died would say, shh, son, keep your mouth closed, be grateful you have a job, this is a wonderful country. So I had this kind of, I, this thing that carried inside of me. That's my story. And yet I get involved in broadcasting, and I bring that and come to Nashville. And here in 1978, when I thought I should have been the sports director at Channel 4, I wasn't. Went through a divorce at that period of time. And all of a sudden, I got to a point, and we've all gotten there. We're all old enough where you come up against a wall. All of you can remember. Remember the time when either was a phone call in the middle of the night or something or your wife and you get a divorce or your parents came to you and said, we, we can't live together or they fired you from your job or something terrible happened in your life. Boom. M veterans will tell you you never find an atheist in a foxhole. You just don't because it just happens to you. And it, it, there's something inside. October 10th, 1978, because a man cared enough for me three days before that. A black man sitting at Joe, remember, I said long enough, Joe's Village Inn over in Green Hills. I sat in there after playing basketball in the back of the room and he came, he sat, he was in the front, he walked all the way to the back and he looked at me and he said, Are you all right? You look like something's bothering you. No, no. Well, he called me and we had lunch three or four days in a row. And then on October 10th, he said, would you like for, to pray and have, have Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life? And I said, hmm, yes, I would. Well, so we prayed. 
And God, and I, did, I didn't OD on my own goodness. You don't walk out of there with that. It's like I walked out of there and for the first time in my life, I was able to look around, not able to. I was, I was looking at other people and I was interested in other people. And I don't know, God, be, and I got a thirst to know my Lord and, and to study his word. That's a long time ago. God has made a radical change in my life over a long period of time. I have laughed and I said God knew that I was a pretty cocky guy, so he said I'll, uh, I believe I'll snatch the hair off his head, and uh, you know, so I, I'm not just another pretty face. And I've been here this long, never thought I'd be in Nashville this long a period of time. It'll be 39 years that, I, that I'll be here this coming October, uh, in the next August. That's my story. All that puts together, and now I am second comes. And it's like putting my business in the street. The video is out, and I begin to get reaction from people. Here's what I have found in these months now, and with the billboards up, I get people in elevators. I've been, you know, people know me, I guess, because I've been here so long. People saying, I saw that. I have people in my office. Remember now, I work at a television station where the whole motto of everything we do is beat the competition, be number one, we're the best, and all of that. And here I'm sitting there with a billboard that says I am second. I've had people walk into, I've had people walk into my office and say, what does that mean? And I said, well, what do you think it means? Well, I looked at the video, but I don't get it. And I said, what don't, what don't you get? It doesn't require, well, what does it stand for? And I said, well, then that's going to have to be up to you. Here's what it has made me do. It has made me very conscious, even more so, of how I live my life. And yet, I like it. I like it. I catch myself with producers, and I've always tried for all these years. They know. They know kind of where I stand at that station and who, and who I am. But when something, it, it, within a week after the billboard goes up, a real problem in the control room, and the director had messed up, and something, and I get, because I'm the one who looks like an idiot on the TV, and yet afterwards God says to me, so now how are you going to act about that, big boy? And I've got to sit there, because now they're looking at me differently where I work and in the way I act, and even people out there. And I have found I like it. I think our churches are full of people who like it written on their resume that they go to such and such a church, but to live it and to put your business out there where somebody can judge you on it, and I don't need that. That's not important. But I think it changes you, and it's changed me. It's made me much more aware that I impact people's lives by the spirit with which I live my life. We can beat around this off all the time. Think of sports last year. All right, Tim Tebow. We laugh at, or we get, what does he stand for? And he talks openly of Jesus Christ. And he, before a game or even after, after a game, he will go visit with people inside. He is real, I believe, and I think most of us do, in what he stands for. Blows their mind. The media's mind, they can understand it. Then during the basketball season last year, Jeremy Lin, basketball car, Asian-American young man, Comes to the New York Knicks out of nowhere and blows them away, scoring 20, averaging 20 a game, leads them. Media does interviews in New York, can't understand it. He talks about Jesus Christ. He says openly, Jesus Christ. And then Bubba Watson wins the Masters Golf Championship. And did you see the interview afterwards? I give the glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My question is, guys, it's made me more aware because I'm, I'm literally tired of people saying, oh, I'm so blessed. Because I get athletes do that all the time. 
I go in that locker room with the Titans after games. Well, I'm blessed and I'm blessed. And I'll walk in there another time and the same guy's got some rap music going in his locker with lyrics on it that I couldn't. It just makes my stomach curl. And I look at him and I say, man, what? give me this. You can't play this game. You can't go both ways on this stuff. You've got to either stand for what you stand or don't give me this stuff. You're gonna, somebody's watching you. But we do this thing all the way in the middle, so I'm finding out that I've got to draw the line as to who I am. And I put it out there. So I, I, I think that's something that, that we have to think about. And I think it's something that it's worthwhile. Where do you stand? You know, does somebody know who you are? Is this a nice little quiet thing that we do on a, on a Thursday morning and then out there is the real word? I had a guy at a Bi my Bible study that I have on a Wednesday at my church, a very good man and a successful businessman who said, you know what, I do? during the day, I love the competition, I love the pressure, I love the heat, I love doing it all because, you know, and it just, it invigorates me and I try to do it as best that I can, but it's a competitive business. He said, you know, then I go to bed at night and just before I go to sleep, I think about, mm, man. God, I could have done this, and I didn't. And I think of all the things that maybe God would have wanted me to do. But it's a tough world. I got to live out there, and I got to do that. And I thought about it, and I said, Don't you think that God wants you to put those two worlds together? Can you imagine with the ability that it gave you in your in your business and your expertise there to be able to make these business decisions and then at the same time, if your heart is sensitive to him and at the same time you're willing to look into other people's eyes and connect with them and give them hope and encouragement, you put those two together, it'll blow off through the roof. He's got something to think about. It's just the way this life is. All of us, man, guys, have, are, have pushed to that edge. We were talking about the Blade Runner, Oscar Pistorius. Interviews that I'd seen with that man, and, and who seemed to be such a Christian spirit about him. He talked about being a man of faith. He would talk of Christ in his life. And yet, he's accused of killing his own wife, his own girlfriend, I, I, I don't know if they whatever. Killing her. And caught between there. And we go, how in the world... The world is full of that kind of stuff. What is it in our lives? What's that edge with us? Is it that we can't push ourselves away from the dinner table we eat and we eat? Is it that we work hard all day, all week long, and when Saturday comes, I'm going to have me a drink or two or three or four and push it to the edge? Is it that I can control my temper really good when I'm in public, but when I get at home, I, 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 I'm going to let her have it. If she sits there and gets me under my skin one more time, all of us. But for the grace of God, any of us are capable of all kinds of miserable things. And so I find it powerful and helpful to me to put my business out there and let the world see. And now I am forced to either live it or shut up and get out of Dodge. Amen. And I want that. I need that because I'm the kind of guy who will, I'll take the easy way in a heartbeat. Maybe that's the challenge this morning. Maybe all we've done is, uh, we, we, you know, we, we talk a nice Christian game, but what are you like when you got to it? And are you willing to put yourself out there? This is all full of people that made mistakes. Josh Hamilton is up here from, you know, Josh Hamilton, powerful, wonderful baseball player, and yet admits to that alcohol problem. These are real people. I catch myself looking at the videos, and it's intriguing to people. They're done so interestingly, and I'm grateful in the way that they asked. I'm not worried. I just don't know. I just got to take it one day at a time. My, literally, my own family is now watching me closer in some way. 
My wife, I know, loves me, but I've literally say to myself, am I willing to quit arguing if it needs be? You know, do I do dishes? Do I, will I clean the toilet bowl once in a while? Will I stop being the man of the house and just be a second, be a servant? And it's taken the pressure off. In a way, I don't have to beat anybody over the head to be number one in my business and all that. Jesus Christ is number one. And when his spirit flows from you, there's something about you that people will say, what is it with you? Why is there something in you that is alive and seems to care for other people? So I've rambled a hundred different ways. I didn't know exactly which way to go. Excuse me. But I do know that it's been something that has warmed my heart. Mark McPherson is, uh, Mark, come here, Mark. He knows, he's much more with the organization. It's just out there. It's the way we live our lives. And, 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 and I hope you think about it. I want you to think about your own life and ask yourself, am I trying to prove someone right or someone wrong, even at this point in my life? And then what is my purpose in life? Not my job, but what is my purpose in life? God bless you guys. You've been listening to the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. Remember to check out Harrington Interactive Media and get your book to print. They edit, package, and help you put your book on Amazon if you're an author, organization, or a publisher. 